was in a meeting with a group, and I'm often the only female in a meeting uh, with a lot of my male cohorts. And there was a technical question that the customer asked. And I knew the answer because, you know, I have a very, you know, I've got a good memory and I knew the answer and I answered the question and the, the, the customer actually turned around and asked my technical, you know, my technical engineer asked the same question again. Welcome to Speaking with Women, a global conversation about women in work. My name is Bibi Shihaili, and I'm very excited to bring you episode one of the series. We are starting out with Julie. Julie's a director, and she works in the technology space. As per usual, we start the conversation with me asking for a story about gender, something that made her indignant either for herself or that she witnessed. The story that Julie shares with us is one we will hear in other conversations on this coffee tour. It's one of being invisible to male counterparts, clients or otherwise one of the stories that is probably most um prominent in my memory about gender inequality in the workplace would be um about five years ago uh, when i was at a business meeting with one of my co-workers and i'm in a technical um area of, of of work so i work with you know, software and different customers that have software requirements and technical requirements. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was in a meeting with a group and I'm I'm often the only female in a meeting uh, with a lot of my male cohorts. And there was a technical question that the customer asked and I knew the answer because, you know, I have a very, you know, I've got a good memory and I knew the answer. And I answered the question and the, the, the customer actually turned around and asked my technical, in, you know, my technical engineer asked the same question again. Hmm. After I answered it correctly, my male cohort could have chosen to step up and say, as Julie mentioned, however, he did not. He actually just repeated the answer that I gave, hmm. you know. In that situation, both the customer and my, and this is not at the current role that I'm at, but, uh, you know, my technical counterpart would have had the ability to step up and reemphasize mm-hmm. what I had said and, you know, just enhance what I said, but instead just opted to, you know, repeat exactly what I had said. So there was a perception that a male in the room would be a lot more technical than the female. And that to me was a moment in my career where I was like, seriously, and it, it happened multiple times, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, I, I wish that it wasn't the only time it's happened. It's happened many, many times. Yeah. And so that's a moment where I realized that there is a perception that women are not as technical as men. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something that needs to change because there's there's more, you know, I mean, I've been in tech for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I've, I've seen the evolution, but it hasn't changed that much in 20 years. There's more women in tech nowadays. Um, so I do, I, I have seen a change. It depends on the technology company you work for. Mm. Um, the current company I work for is so much about diversity, inclusion. And, uh, you know, we have a very big community about that. There's lots of training materials on diversity and inclusion. And so 
Um, it makes it a lot easier where I work, where we have a high percentage of our staff are women. There's a high percentage of women in leadership position. They train people on, you know, unconscious bias. And so I think that is a very important aspect too of picking the right place to go work at, because um, if you don't work at a workplace where they train on unconscious bias and they're not pro, you know, uh, diversity, you know, you, you will run into situations where you don't have the right backing, but you know, a company like the, where I work, they're very much about diversity. So that makes a big difference. There's still a long way to go. Don't get me wrong, but you know, overall it's, it, it's sad to see that in 20 years, you know, we, we've not seen too much changes on the mentality of certain people, but um, we've seen more women enter tech, which is great. But we want to keep women in tech. So we have to make sure it's a uh, comfortable environment to foster uh, diversity. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think there's a, there's uh, some conversation also happening around policy versus culture. So having the policy that allows certain things or that, that, that requires, you know, women at a certain level or for mat leave, et cetera. But then having a culture that also supports that because women are going to follow the culture. If it's frowned upon to take time when you come back from maternity leave, um, even if the policy says you can, you're not going to do it because the underlying um, sentiment in the organization is that it's not, you know, it's not a way to move up or it's not a way to show that you're committed to the organization. Yeah. Um, so there, there is something to look at around, around culture. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree on that one. As you listen to Julie tell us what is holding women back, I want you to think about the number of times you have done this yourself or you have seen a coworker do it, you know, looking to check 100% of the, the, the box on qualifications, um, not asking for more, not negotiating, staying too long in a toxic environment. So let's listen to Julie. I would say one of the things that holds back uh, women in their careers is they don't ask for the job that they want. You know, they don't take the risk. You know, I, I, I've, I've, I can tell you almost every job I've ever applied for, I didn't have all the qualifications that they listed. I mean, that's always a wish list, right? Mm -hmm. But some of us women feel like we have to have every single item on that checklist for that role. And, you know, sometimes you can bring other skills to the job that um, other, it may not be listed on, on those checklists. Um, and, and, and I think work attitude and determination is, is probably the most important thing. So, you know, if you want to apply for a job, you know, even if you don't have, let's say a role asks for a master's degree, you can get a job that lists a demand of a master's degree and still get it. Mm -hmm. And so not going after the job that you want, I think is what holds women back there. You know, sometimes people are afraid to make the ask. The second thing is, is that once I think, you know, we need to do a better job as women to negotiate our, our salaries, negotiate our packages, um, whether it's financial or other benefits. This is something that I think hold, women hold back on. And, you know, when I negotiated, you know, two, the two last jobs I've received, I remember I received some, they were good offers. I could have easily accepted them. And I said, you know what, like, I am, I'm going to negotiate this. I think, I think I can do a little bit better here. Mm -hmm. And, and I negotiated it. And I remember my mother telling me, Oh, Julie, you know, don't take a risk. You know, they offered you a good job. Just take it. 
I'm like, no, mom, I'm going to negotiate. If anyone else would negotiate, men do. So why can't women renegotiate? So my mother was like, yeah, but they're, they're going to think you're difficult. I said, oh, God, yes. <laughs> That word. That word. Perception of being difficult for negotiating, where a man would not be considered difficult for negotiating. So Mm -hmm. I think that's the second thing I would say. You know, always negotiate your role, and and there's a really nice way of doing negotiations. You don't have to be uh, deemed difficult, but I think it's important. You want to be happy in your next role, and so you want to be kept there for. A long period of time. That's always a great justification to tell them, like, you know what? I want to be happy with my package. I want to settle myself for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you offer me a good package, I think I will be comfortable staying in that role for many years. And so, I think sometimes that's a a, a no brainer. We should be doing, could be doing. And I've actually coached some female counterparts uh, who go for jobs to negotiate and ask for more. And one of my friends, she actually applied to go work for one of my competitors. She was getting the job and then they offered her package and she called me to, to say, you know, what do you think? I said, actually ask for a lot. You can get a lot more yeah. stock. I said, ask for more stock. And she's like, are you sure? I'm like, trust me. You will. And she did. She actually negotiated. She got twice the stock no. that they had offered her. So, um, you know, there's situations like that where we just have to make, again, it's just about asking. You have to ask for what you want. You don't get anything you don't ask for. So it make the ask. That's the second thing around the negotiation. You have to do what you love. And if you don't love what you do, it's going to come through in your work. And there was one job I took that it was such an unhealthy work environment. I mean, sexist work environment, toxic workplace, typical macho male behavior. Um, Never encountered something as bad as that in my career. And I stayed, I put up with it just because I didn't want to look like a resume blip, right? I didn't want to take that six month, you know, I didn't want it to look like a six month resume, you know, failure. And I stayed for 18 months and that was the biggest mistake of my life. I go, I look back because they sucked the life out of me in those 18 months. Um, it, I learned some very expensive lessons in, in the process, um, but I stayed somewhere where I shouldn't have been. I wasn't happy with the company. I wasn't happy with the way I was being treated. Um, you know, staying when I should have gone. And and that would be the the third thing. And, you know, you got to love what you do. And if you, if, if you're in a place where the people don't respect you and, you know, doesn't matter how good the quality work you do leave, you know what, who cares about the res? what it looks like on the resume. I've actually been very transparent in my next role where when the employers were asking me, why, why did you only stay there X amount of time? And I basically said, you know, it was a very toxic workplace. Hmm. And I was not drilled for additional questions. They respected what I said. So this part is fun. Can you think back to a time when you got dressed for an important meeting and you walked out of the house and you were feeling high on confidence? That is one of the tips that Julie shares with us. And I am so on board with this. If you follow me on social, you know how much I talk about practices being a shortcut to feeling confident. So listen to Julie's hack on confidence. She also grounds us with the idea of work-life balance and of empathy as a tool of giving us, you know, giving us more confidence. To show up more confidently, 
I always like to say, like, when you dress nice to go to, well, now we, we're all working from home, so we're all in our, in our, in our comfortable clothes. <laughs> Me included. But, you know, I always like to say, you know, take care of you first. Um, you know, get yourself a nice, versatile dress that, you know, you can dress up, like, you know, a nice navy dress or a nice uh, black dress or something that's very versatile and feel good in what you wear. Um, I think that's really important because I think it does exude the confidence that you feel when you're wearing something nice. Um, you know, I used to dress up a lot because I used to travel to Montreal for work. So it was very, very well known that you, you know, very fa- fashion forward in Montreal. Um, sometimes I brought some, that, some of that back to Toronto. And uh, so I will say, like, take care of yourself first. Um, to show up better at work, uh, I would say know when to stop working. Some of us have a bad habit of working long hours more than necessary. And you need that work-life balance as much as, you know, I, I need to reemphasize that with myself sometimes. Um, it's important to have that work-life balance, to show up better at work, to think clearer, to take time out of your day to, to think what you have to do. Um, it's so easy to get bogged down meeting after meeting after meeting. So that would be the second thing. Third thing is believe that people have the best intentions that you work with. I think that would be a great way of bringing your best to work. Um, Not every, you know, people have personal problems. They have personal issues. One of my coworkers has lost his father to COVID this week. Another coworker is struggling with, you know, having his first child go to daycare. Um, Everyone has their own issues or their own problems. And so, learning to be a bit more empathetic with others, male, females, anyone included in the, the workplace also helps bring you um, your best to work because that empathy goes a long way in the workplace. Uh, if you're working for the right company, of course, um, so I would say that's a great way of bringing your best to work every day, have empathy for others and, and be empathetic towards yourself yeah. and cut yourself some slack. You know, we, can, we only have so many hours in a day. It's interesting, this notion of empathy. I had a conversation yesterday that empathy has another side benefit is that it takes you away from turning the camera towards yourself because it's maybe it's not about you. So when somebody's snapping or when somebody looks distracted or when they're not listening or maybe it's something else, maybe they're thinking, you know, about what happened with their dad or maybe they're thinking about their child not getting into daycare. And so it allows you also to take a little bit of distance with the situation and not think immediately that it's about you as we are, we tend to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, nobody had, had brought that up, this notion of empathy in these conversations. And I very much subscribe to that. That is a great place to end the conversation. Be empathetic towards yourself. Be empathetic towards others. Find a workplace where you can thrive, where they're building the infrastructure, the policies, and the culture to allow you and your colleagues to show up as your best selves. I really love this conversation with Julie. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Please join me for the next episode of Speaking with Women. And until then, be well. <laughs>